Hello and welcome to episode 141 of the Veg Grower podcast. My name's Richard and I like to grow food in my allotment and garden. Coming up later on, a listener has asked me to share my experience of keeping chickens and that's what I'll be doing in just a bit. But firstly, let's find out what I've been up to over this last week in my plots. Well, it's Sunday the 20th of October 2019. I'm in my garden at home and it's been a very productive morning. Now I say morning because it's uh, getting to afternoon and I'm going out for the afternoon. But what have I been up to today? Well, it's been really good actually. Now my middle raised bed in my vegetable plot, now that has been ready to be planted for a few weeks now. And into that, I planted out some of my Swede seedlings. Now, these, it's probably a bit late to get them in. I don't know. We're going to find out as they grow on. Now, I've had these seedlings in root trainers for a few weeks now, but I had quite a few of them. And I've just filled this middle bed up with uh, a whole load of these seedlings. I've got a few more that are going to go down the allotment and hopefully I'll plant those out tomorrow. Now, after I planted out these Swede seedlings, I covered the top with some of my chicken wire. This is just to keep the chickens off them. Now, with the chickens out of the run, I then decided it was time to dig out their run. Chickens can get quite messy in their run, uh, especially with this clay soil. So I just dug out a load of this soil, and the soil that came out is really nice and friable and useful. So I've placed that all into my third raised bed. I've also gone along the paths scraping up some soil from there and placed that into there as well. After that I then basically put wood chip into the run to sort of help the chickens out a bit and set the run back up again. But I'm going to go through all that a bit later on in the podcast. But with the third bed now, basically, I had that full of the soil that I've dug out. I've added some compost out of the compost bin as well, just to finish it off. I felt, again, it was ready to plant. So I've planted into there some chard, some pak choy, some bok choy, just some kind of leafy vegetables that hopefully will give us some good leaves throughout the winter. Again, I don't know if this is definitely going to work. It's more a sort of let's see what happens kind of thing. I've got some in the greenhouse as well, so we've always got backups. And again, I've covered this bed with my wire mesh to keep the chickens off. Now after this, that basically just left me just to do a bit of a tidy up. But it's feeling good to get some plants growing and the beds into use again. Which will mean, hopefully, we'll get some really nice vegetables throughout the winter. So that's it for today. I'm hoping to get down the allotment tomorrow. And if the weather's like this, I can pretty much guarantee I'll be down there. More on that coming up. Well, today is Sunday, October the 20th. 2019 and I am on my allotment today as I normally am on a Sunday morning and it's been a lovely day it's very autumnal at the moment but today the sun has been shining it's been not cold but it's not been hot either there's a bit of a breeze but nothing to really worry about but it's been such a nice day and I've had a good day working on my allotment now As always, when I first get on the allotment, I always like to take a walk around and just make a note of what I can see has changed, what needs doing, etc, etc. 
And one of the first things I noticed is that my garlic that I planted out a couple of weeks ago, they have all germinated and I think we're looking about 100% germination. So that's been really, really positive view to start the day down here. Now after that, I finished off planting out my onions. Now I started these last week in the wet weather, but I filled up the bed on the very bottom of my plot that I spoke about last week. And um, I had still had more onions to go in. So those I planted at the very, very top of my main bed. Now these are two varieties called Electric and Radar. And I simply planted them out, as I do with onion sets, by dipping a hole and dropping a set in. And then just water them in and they should then hopefully grow. That's how I've done it anyway and it's, it's never let me down so far. Um, now I try and go for about 6 centimetres deep and about 12 centimetres apart in each direction when I plant out my onions. I find that generally is about enough but what I actually do is I have a little dibber and I've measured the dibber to be 12 centimetres. So I just use that to measure out my distances. It just makes my life a little bit easier I find anyway. Now after the onions, I had quite a few brassica plants that have been sat at home. I mentioned yesterday about swede plants. Well, I figured they needed planting out as well. And it might be a bit too late for the swedes, but I've put a row of swedes in anyway. But I've also put out some spring cabbages, some spring cauliflowers, and, um, and some chard. So they were all planted out again. Some in the very top of my main plot and the others in my brassica beds on the smaller plot beds. How it all grow, we will find out as we go on throughout the seasons. But at least now the beds are looking like they've got something growing in them and like they're being used, which I think is just quite an important um, mental attitude to have during the winter. Something is growing. Now after that, that was the planting done and that was the main jobs that I needed to get done. So I turned my attention to my tomato plants and yes, I've still got tomato plants in the ground outside. And I've still, they're still producing tomatoes but they are looking a little bit on the ropey side. So I've taken two rows of my tomato plants out, just dug them up and run them over with the lawnmower to go in the compost heap. But I've picked off, before I um, dug them all up, I've picked off any red tomatoes that I can still eat and all my green tomatoes. Now my green tomatoes, obviously, they just need a bit of ripening. So they'll probably sit in my greenhouse or in my kitchen windowsill and where they will probably turn red. If they don't turn red, there's of course recipes using green tomatoes, such as green tomato chutney. Uh, so they're not wasted. They don't, and you know me by now, I don't like to waste anything. So, green tomatoes will definitely get used, as will the red tomatoes, and as will the stalks, because that all gets turned into compost to go onto my beds. So, yes, that's, it's been a pretty day actually. I was hoping to get a bit more done in terms. So, that's what I've been up to today. Pretty busy, but it's been nice. Um, 
there's definitely this feel of autumn in the air though weather's starting to change the leaves are starting to die back and turn brown and yeah changes in the air but we'll soon be into the winter but oh. what i find interesting on the allotments though at this time of year is how they vacate or how they start vacating anyway anyway i'm getting hungry so i'm gonna head home now and uh See if we get anything else done at home. Before I talk about chickens, we have the tip of the week from the RHS Plant Grow Harvest Calendar. And this week's tip is, if houseplants have flourished but can't be moved into new pots, top dress the soil, remove and replace the top 25 to 30 mil. Well, I don't have much to add to that, but I do do something similar to pots I have in my garden, such as herb pots. Just remove the top inch or two and pot in fresh compost. As simple as that, really, and it goes a long way. Before I get on with chicken keeping, there's a big thank you that I really want to do, and that goes to Jack Wallington, who very kindly gave this podcast a mention in his article on The Telegraph Online on Friday. I will add a link to that article if anyone is interested in reading it, but it does require subscribing to The Telegraph to read it in full. Jack Wallington is a garden designer in Croydon, and he runs a really informative website, which I'll also link to in the blog post at thevegroundpodcast.co.uk. The gist of this article was that Jack was sharing some of the podcasts that he enjoys based around growing your own, and the Veg Grower podcast was given a lovely little mention, along with Garden Organic podcast, the RHS podcasts, and a few more. Now, since this, I have noticed there's been an increase in activity on the podcast, which is really great. And in fact, when I checked the charts this evening, I was in second place, just behind gardener's question time so thank you very much jack for that mention really really appreciate it really appreciate everybody that listens as always anyway let's get on with keeping chickens i mentioned in the intro that i've received a question from a listener about keeping chickens something that i have found a real asset in the garden now i do know that not everybody is able to keep chickens so i thought i would talk about my quail too which has also been a really fantastic experience if we start with what is the most expensive part of keeping these birds their home both of these birds need a home that will keep them safe and secure whilst allowing them space to move about this is where the quail really excel they don't need a huge amount of space And in fact, the home that they live in currently, I built this from bits of decking and wire mesh to form a type of aviary. It's 1.5 metres long and half a metre deep. This is split into two sections. The larger section being the run where I've placed sand in the floor over a wire mesh. Now quails do love this to sand bathe in and it works really well for them. The smaller section, now this is where I would hope they would lay their eggs but in that smaller section I placed wood shavings. Unfortunately quail tend to lay their eggs wherever they want. Now because quail are ground dwelling birds the height of this aviary didn't need to be all that high and as such I actually used this the top of this as a potting bench. However I do know of many quail keepers who keep quail in a bird or guinea pig cages. Depending on how many birds they keep of course Currently I have four in my cage and they have plenty of room. My chicken's home is a coop that I brought from eBay for £50. It 
needed a bit of work as it wasn't in the best condition. It was still in a usable condition, but just needed a bit of um, a cleanup. First thing I did was, of course, to disinfect the whole coop so that it was clean for the chickens. I also extended the run to give the chickens a bit more space. For me, space is important to these birds. I would love to let them free range all day. But because of the risk of predators such as foxes or cats, all of which do pop into our garden from time to time, I can't risk letting them free range when I'm not here. I often hear people ask me, will a cat attack a chicken given that they are pretty big birds? The answer to that is yes. I have seen a cat go for one of mine on many occasions. And if I hadn't ran out there in time, I would have lost a chicken. But that is why I wanted my run to be secure. So when I built the extension, I used a really fine wire mesh, not chicken wire, Foxes can actually gnaw through chicken wire, but a wire mesh a fox is unable to get its teeth into. Now the coop itself is raised off the ground and it is just simply a little room that the chickens go into at night with the perch to sit on and sleep throughout the night with two nest boxes on the side where they will lay their eggs. The floor of this coop actually slides out which makes cleaning really easy and this is a really nice feature in many coops that's really worthwhile. Now, as I said, the coop and the run is generally the most expensive part of chicken keeping. Before I got my chicken coop, I was looking at buying several coops brand new, but I couldn't justify the price of these at the time. I looked into making one, but when I priced up the materials, the wood, the screws and everything, the cost would have actually been similar to buying a coop anyway. Now I've kept chickens for quite a while, I feel I can justify spending a bit more money on a coop. So next year... I'm hoping to buy a brand new coop if I can get the right deal. I know what I want and I know what I want to do. And when I get that new coop, I will be moving my current coop down to the allotment because I feel my current coop is just looking a bit tatty, a little bit scruffy. Now, it doesn't bother me too much, but I always kind of think if my neighbours are looking out the window and see that, it's not very fair on them. Now back to the coop. The floor of this coop... I do tend to place wood shavings on and straw in the nest boxes. These are cleaned out weekly, every Sunday, along with the quail's wood shavings. And then fresh wood shavings and straw is placed into both of these. The waste of these go into my compost bins, which when mixed with all my green waste, such as lawn trimmings, it makes some of the best compost I've ever known. A real dark, crumbly compost, which is just perfect for the garden. Let's not forget, it's got that chicken manure in it as well, which is an added form of nitrogen. Now, there are so many different breeds of chickens, and I spent a long time researching what breed I wanted. For me, I wanted breeds that were quiet, easy to look after and good for beginners. Now, after finding a very good supplier, I settled on some varieties that fit this bill. My original two chickens that I originally got, one variety was called an amber, which is a white all over, and another variety called goldline, which is brown all over with white tail feathers. Now, last year, my amber did die, which was really sad. But that meant my gold line was on her own. So I had to rush out and buy two more chickens. I replaced the amber with another amber. And then got a black tail, which is a brown all over with black tail feathers. Because of this incident, I will always only have at least three chickens in the coop at any one time. Out of these varieties, the gold line has been the most docile and the easiest to look after. The other two varieties have a tendency to jump onto the chicken coop and over the fence out onto the lawn. Not really a huge problem in the grand scheme of things, but it is worth bearing in mind if you do want to contain them into a vegetable patch area. 
Now, there are so many different varieties out there that I couldn't comment on every variety, but these are the three I've kept, and I have found them to be really, really good for what I want. Quail varieties. Now, I've, I have Japanese and Italian Coternics. These are generally bred for decent-sized eggs. They've got reasonably good temperaments, and they're, they're really quite pleasant to look after, but quails do not like being handled or being interfered with. They're not really suitable for pets for children who want to stroke their animals. They're more sort of pop them in a cage and just keep an eye on them and leave them to do their own thing is the way I describe them. Now on a daily basis both of these birds are really easy to look after. In the morning I will go out and I will open the coop up for the chickens then make sure both the chickens and the quail have enough food and water. When I get home from work I will then let the chickens out into the vegetable patch and when it gets dark, they take themselves back in to their coop. When I just close the, the poop hole again, and that's it for the night. Nothing really difficult about that. In the past, the chicken's food container was a plastic pot that would hang from the roof. Every night I would actually take that in. But now I use a treadle, and I wish I got this sooner. The treadle, it basically has a flap that is opened when a chicken stands on the paddle. Then once a chicken moves off the paddle, the flap closes. And what this means is that rats or anything like that can't get into the food. Now, this is why I would take the plastic container of chicken food in every night, because I don't want rats. Absolutely do not want rats. It did take a while to get the chickens used to the treadle, but this was just simply to train them. I would simply pop the flap fully open for a few days until they got used to eating from it. Then I would prop the flap half open for a few more days so that the chickens then got used to kind of standing on the treadle and it would move and they could get their food from them. Now they are completely used to it. They don't need to pop it open at all. They just used to standing on the paddle and getting their food. Now talking of their food, I basically use layer pellets. I use chicken layer pellets for the chickens and quail layer pellets for the quails. These aren't expensive. I'll buy a 20 kilo bag of each and it costs me just over £7 and will last about three months. So not a huge amount of money in terms of feed. I also buy a little bag of corn. It costs me three quid and will last me a year. The corn is a good way I find of getting the chickens back into their coop if I'm going out. Now, really, that is the bulk of the work involved in keeping my chickens. You may have heard in a diary section that I mentioned about digging out soil in a chicken's run. And this is something I like to do or try to do about once a year, just as we're going into the winter. Because I'm on a really clay soil, it becomes quite boggy in there, especially with the chickens churning all the soil up throughout the day and, and what have you. About once a year, I just dig out the soil and that soil actually gets used in the garden because it's really good quality stuff. And then into this run, I just pour some wood chips. And that just gives the uh, the chickens a bit of a nicer area to live in. A bit more drainage, less money for them, and it's just better for them. I also tend to place in their run a bucket of sand, a tub of sand. And that's just for the chickens to have their dust bath as well. But they tend to do that outside anyway. Now the quails, they cannot be let out their cage. Which is a shame, but the real benefit I get from them is the fact that I can get eggs from them from about March till September in such a small space. These eggs are also, there's a good chance that they have been fertilized. And that means I can actually start breeding quails. And I have bred quails. And these birds are tiny when they first hatch. They really are small. 
Within the first day, they have doubled in size. And in about six weeks, these birds are full size. Now, I can't do that with chickens. I cannot breed chickens because I do not have any males. I wouldn't want males because of the noise they make. Quail's been so much quieter being able to do this. Now, of course, from the chickens, I do get the much larger eggs, which is a really big advantage they have over the quail. But they need more space. But for me, the other advantage with chickens is that I'm able to let them out of their run and into my vegetable patch when I'm around in the evening. Now, I've already mentioned that the compost that they produced is brilliant in a vegetable patch, but the chickens, I consider them as like workers in my garden. When they're out and about, what they tend to do is they scratch at the ground and they're searching for weeds, weed seeds, small slugs and snails. They're doing the pest control. They're doing a weed control for me. And this is why I believe I do not spend much time weeding it in my vegetable patch at home. That may sound a little bit odd, but what I mean is, if you look at a chicken foot, they're kind of three-pronged, a bit like a three-pronged cultivator that we might use to rake over the soil in our garden. And this kind of breaks up big clumps of soil or makes the soil into a really fine tilth. And that is what the chickens are doing in my garden, I've found. I've also recently seen a product and it's a solar powered gadget that basically roams around the garden and it's got a little uh, fan like thing I guess to call it underneath and that is there to destroy any weeds. Again I see my chickens are doing this as well but in a much more natural way and I get eggs from them. Chickens of course will eat certain crops and they will need protecting and these could be crops like lettuce, carrot, mustard, anything like that you can imagine a chicken eating. So these sort of crops do need protected and I'm currently constructing some cages to sit over these crops to keep the chickens off them. But in the past, what I have found with plants like tomatoes, chickens won't actually eat the tomato plants themselves, but they will dig them up and they will dig them up by this scratching around in the soil that I spoke about. What I found as a way to avoid this was to take a 10 inch plant pot, cut the bottom off and sink that into the ground. I would then plant the tomatoes into this pot and the chickens would not dig them up. I think because they could not get their feet in there to dig over the soil, so they just avoided it. Now, this wasn't just for tomatoes, courgettes, peppers and aubergines this also worked with. And it was just a way of really gardening with the chickens. Now, if you keep chickens yourself, please let me know, because I'd love to share your experience with them as well. Well, that's it for this week. It's time to wrap up and uh, head on home. So thank you very much for listening. As always, please take care and I'll see you all again next time. Mm-hmm.